ESG communications. We come in, we integrate the sustainability messaging within the business as usual strategy, and then we help them craft it in a way that would land effectively with their audiences, whether internally or externally. This is Darren Smith, and you're listening to Digital Surfing. This week on our episode, we have Jihan Hyde. She is from Com Unique, and we're talking about the role of the tech sector in driving a sustainability agenda to save our people and our planet. We talk about companies that are doing things well, as well as what companies can do to change the way they communicate their ESG initiatives. So on this ride with Jihan, I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome, Jihan. It's great to have you on the show. Lovely to be here, Darren. Thank you for having me. And you're in uh, beautiful, sunny London today, or is it not so sunny? It's really not so sunny today. <laughs> Just for our luck, it's been raining all day, but, but we do need it. We absolutely do need, I mean, coming from an African person over here who does not like the weather of the UK, I'm saying we do need it. So no, I'm happy today. Yeah, I mean, like I see I mean, there was a bridge the other day that got wrapped in foil and I hear of droughts and I hear of railway lines melting. I mean, like this is a major climate change type issues that are happening in the UK. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were definitely feeling it and you're absolutely correct. A lot of things. There is even a, a talk of a hose ban, a hose pipe ban, which is happening at the moment in the UK and parts of the UK. We do have a drought or a warning in the Midlands. But yeah, it's not it's not pleasant. But because I'm from Sudan originally, I've seen how drought really affects the livelihood. So I do not wish it on the UK. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can absolutely empathize with that. Cape Town was in the same situation a while back, and I'm in Cape Town at the moment. And still, it is law to shower with a bucket in the shower so that you can reuse yeah. that water for you know plants or something like that. So it has a major impact on lifestyles. We go straight into talking about what's happening with the weather. And it is kind of relevant because we're going to talk about sustainability today. But before we go any further, let's get a little bit of background <laughs> of exactly who you are and why I'm talking to you today. What is your background? Oh, I do like to talk about myself. So thank you for asking that question. <laughs> Actually, I don't. So I'm Jihan and I'm the founder of a startup called Communique. And what we do is we specialize in ESG business integration and communications. ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And what we help companies do is we help them integrate these initiatives within their business model so that they can live and breathe the new purpose and the new direction of growth. And the second service that we offer is ESG communications. And I think it's very, it's self-explanatory. We come in, we integrate the sustainability messaging within the business as usual strategy, and then we help them craft it in a way that would land effectively with their audiences, whether internally or externally. We are a B Corp certified consultancy. And for those of you who don't know it yet, you will definitely hear about it eventually. B Corporation is an accreditation that's given to organizations. And if you do get this accreditation, it means that you are one of the most impactful and sustainable businesses in the world. 
In total, there's only 4,000 B Corp certified companies, including the likes of Ben & Jerry, Patagonia, Innocent Drinks in the UK, and the list goes on. But what we're very proud of is the fact that we are the first Black, Arab, female-founded business to ever be certified to date globally. So that really definitely gave us a big smile in our faces when we've heard the news. And what else? I think the industries that we work with are technology industries and companies and specifically as well, financial technologies, fintechs. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, well done on that. That's an incredible achievement. And, you know, definitely something to celebrate. But And I'm glad you bring up working in the technology sector because, I mean, this podcast is all about technology and about digital lessons learned along the way and looking at who's doing things well. So when I think of environmental and sustainability and I think about the planet, I think about people and I think about technology, I think, okay, well, instead of printing things, you rather do something in a PDF because they're saving trees. But actually, I mean, like you've got all the plastic and everything that goes into creating a laptop or a screen or an iPad or something like that. And then you look at tech companies and they've got all this cool stuff. You know, they've got gyms in the office and all these perks. Is, is that like kind of a cliched view of how technology and sustainability, environmental stuff is coming together? Or is there any truth in what I think about when I think about this? I mean, you completely killed the whole sector right now. No, <laughs> no. Okay. When it comes to the perks, I understand that's the image that the first thing that comes to our mind when we hear about a technology company but interestingly, not all technology companies are like the Googles and the Amazons of this world. There are amazing technology companies that don't even have offices and they're all dispersed around the world. And this is one of the reasons why I chose to work mainly with these sectors, even though, believe it or not, the majority of our clients or our biggest clients are not the tech companies. But going back to that, the technology, in my opinion, fintechs and techs are the companies that would be driving saving our people on our planet and really having an effect on speeding up the process. Because without these products and services that they are providing, we will not be able to gather data. And that's what we're missing at the moment. And this is where the greenwashing comes in place, for example. And again, for those of you who don't know what greenwashing is, it's when you claim that you are sustainable or that you're claiming you're doing things or initiatives, but you're missing out crucial information about either data not being accurate or there was lack of truth in your claim. So that's greenwashing. Mm -hmm. Technology and techs in general will help us avoid that. Because the reason companies greenwash is because they don't have the data, not like-for-like like data among sectors, for example, that would help them to compare and solve the problem that they're trying to solve. So, for example, if you are claiming that you have a technology that is going to help you calculate the carbon emission in your supermarket basket, you will need the right data to do so. And that's the missing element in sustainability and ESG reporting. And this is where I think technology and fintechs come into play. 
Yeah, interesting. It's before the likes of wearables like the Apple Watch and so on, like you didn't have the data to know, you know, have I had enough steps today? Have I has my heart rate increased enough? You're like maybe exercising as hard as you can, but it wasn't actually as hard as you can. Only once you got that data did you realize you had to go twice as hard as you were going before. Exactly. No, absolutely. And I think that's the beauty about tech and fintechs mm-hmm. is that they will help us to gain this data. So for example, If we look at the consumer behaviors and investor behaviors, as tech companies and fintechs, we're guided by three forces. We're guided by our investors, we're guided by our consumers, and we're guided by our employees. And Nielsen just issued a report on the power of social media on consumer behaviors. And and they were saying that 58% of the global consumers they will not buy a product that is not sustainable. Mm. Whereas 82% of the global consumers who they looked into and surveyed, they said they will be buying products that showcases how are they saving people on planet. But how can we get this data? How can we prove that we're saving people on planet if we don't have the right data? And this is where I think the power of CRM comes in. For me, a CRM is not just a bunch of names and emails. For me, a CRM is a tool that would help me shape the behaviors and the attitudes of people. And I don't think a lot of people understand the power they have by having the right names on their database. It's almost like when I look at the CRM and we were talking about it, and I told you that my biggest tool is the CRM tool. Because this is where I'm educating my future clients on the importance of reporting on their environmental, social, and governance. For me, a CRM is almost like an Uber car. I look at it and I see where the car is and I see where the car is heading and when is it heading and how long do I have until it reaches me. And that's what I need. I need something to guide me to understand what do the consumers want? How do they behave? And then based on that, give them the right messaging and stories to change that behavior and mindset. And that's where technology comes in. You're so right. So many people will take a decent CRM that allows you to store, you know, what people have looked at, what articles they've clicked on, how long have they looked at an email, what social media have they looked at. You get have all of this information and this could provide you with the ability to send really relevant communications to get them from one place on that Uber ride to the next place where instead they just send out the same to everybody and half of the people don't get to the destination that they could have got to because of that kind of mass approach. So having said that, when you look at the tech sector and different companies that are getting involved in this ESG space, are there companies doing well that you could call out and what is it that they're doing? So the beauty about the tech and the fintechs is that they have the opposite problem. They don't have a green washing problem. They have a green hushing problem. (laughs) Green hushing is when you're doing amazing stuff when it comes to saving our people on planet, but you're too shy and too scared of shouting about it because deep down, you're too scared that you'll be scrutinized about what you're doing due to the lack of solid, solid measurements. 
And for me, I disagree with that. I would rather you shout about it, but say that you're not getting it right, rather than alienating me as your consumer, as your stakeholder, as your employees. There was just an article that was launched by Campaign Magazine in the Middle East. And I was analyzing how the Middle East now with COP27 and COP28, which is the biggest environmental conferences in the world taking place in the Middle East. But the Middle East are infecting and infested by greenwashing because of the lack of infrastructure, not because of lack of willingness. Going back to your question about who's doing well, I have two examples for you. In the fintech world, the cryptocurrency or blockchains are huge enemies to the environmentalists because of the energy that they're consuming. However, there's a company called Zumo that's Mm -hmm. a fintech. They have successfully able now to decarbonize blockchains and cryptocurrencies. But are they talking about it? No. (laughs) That's the thing. They're not talking about it because that's a huge breakthrough. Because if you decarbonize crypto and blockchains, you're opening a very different world when it comes to the technology that we can use to gather data, to gather social data or environmental data. So that's one example. Okay. Second example, there's another company called Ant Group that is a Mm -hmm. sub-company of Alipay. They were able to create an AI and an application, a type of technology where farmers in the middle of nowhere in India don't have access to banks, so they're underbanked, don't have access to cash, don't have access to anything. But the one thing they do have access to is a mobile phone. What they did is that the farmers at at these regions, they were able to open a map on their phone and they were able to pinpoint exactly where the farms are. And when they do that, they were able to tell the ant group what type of crops are being planted in that place. And when they do so, ant group will then verify that they are the right crops because, and they're not just lying to them and claiming something that's not true. And once they verify that the, the, the crops are the correct crops, they will send them loans and money for them to buy uh, to plant these crops. So it's financial inclusion. It's another way of financial inclusion. Mm-hmm. But that's where AI comes in. From a satellite images, and group will be able to exactly identify where the farm is, what crops are being grown, and then they'll send them the funds they need to build their empire. To me, I thought that was fascinating. Fascinating. You mentioned here that these companies are doing amazing things, but they're not telling anybody about the things that they're they're doing. So, I mean, you've got a group of companies doing really amazing things that aren't telling anybody. You've got the other extreme of the greenwashers that aren't doing such amazing things, but they're telling everybody. And then there's probably a group in the middle that are doing amazing things, but they're not communicating very well at what they're doing. I mean, would that be correct in a kind of assumption? There is this assumption, and it's very correct. The problem we have with ESG communications is that it's a very, very complicated message. It needs someone who understands it to decipher it and demystify it. And the problem as well that these companies fall into is the, I call it the death triangle. 
In other words, it's almost like the Bermuda Triangle. You've got the sustainability. And by the way, that term, I didn't make it up. I actually read it in the public and it just stuck with me. There's three people or three departments that are in charge of communicating or ESG or sustainability within a company. There's the sustainability team who are super passionate, but when they're telling you the story, it's filled of data, filled with jargon that would just leave you with an open mouth because you have yeah. no idea what the heck you're talking about. But they're super passionate. I can't take that away from them. Yeah. Then the second part of the triangle is us, the communications team. We come in, we look at this complicated message, complicated jargon. We try to humanize it, but unbeknown to us, by doing and simplifying it, we're actually taking the essence of the message out of it. But we're not aware of that. So we then, after we do so, we then send it to the legal team to see if we're doing the right thing and to protect us because that's their job, to protect us. Legal team will take, again, a lot of things out and then we're left with a meh type of message. And that's the problem that the companies are doing. It's a meh type of message that's coming out of a company when it comes to the sustainability. It normally comes out in three stages. An announcement, we're, do, we're about to enter our sustainability journey, then comes up, this is what we have done so far. And then the last thing is a statement from a CEO saying, great job, we're very proud. Again, very meh. And that's the mistake, I think, that people are making. They're, they're not giving you a context of where the message is coming from when they're doing their advertising campaigns or their marketing campaigns. They're just campaign vomiting. They are just vomiting the actual initiative without actually telling me as the consumer or the employee, where did this initiative come from? How is this related to our why and our mission? What do you want from me as your consumer and employee to do? to help you to get to where you are. And this is the middle part where people are falling short in. Uh, we've only got a few more minutes, but what are some of the things that companies could do to move the dial on these communications? How can they improve the way that they communicate? They need to test it before they communicate it. First of all, get your house in order. Before you communicate it externally, make sure your employees understand it internally. Okay, even if you're a small startup, you still have employees, test it with them. Number two, test it with three different audiences. Test it with your blockers, who I also call cynics. These are the people who would absolutely scrutinize the heck out of your message. You need that in your life because they're going to find the gaps. Test it with your buyers, people who are buying into your products and services. Okay, and lastly, test it with your champions who are going to be your absolute wheels to just go forward. These are the three I would, I would definitely test it with before I go out and shout about anything I do. This is at least what I'm doing at the moment with my clients. I would argue that your concept of testing goes way beyond ESG and that like any piece of communication, marketing communication, brand communication, you know, it's based on a lot of assumptions. And I am shocked daily that people only look at their website every year and a half to two years before making changes. They haven't tested. What if I change this call to action from red to blue? Or what if I change, instead of saying our products, I say our solutions. Does this have an impact 
I'm like, it's all digital. <laughs> They're like, I don't understand why you can't do that. So yeah, I would argue that you should be testing everything. To, to end off my question, I always end off with, which I actually didn't prep you for. Um, yeah. So sorry. If you were to give your younger self some advice today, what would that advice be? Become a data scientist. I would, I would add that to the list of specialities rather than a communicator, because that's where the actual mm-hmm. impact is going to be. Uh, to, on a genuine answer, I think if I am to give myself an advice, I would say surround myself with the cynics, with the poets, and with the jokers, i.e. with the inquisitives, the people who ask a lot of questions, with the cynics who are always going to attack me, and with the poets who are the dreamers of this world. I never used to do that. And I only Mm. adopted that now. I wish I did it from the beginning because that would have completely changed my ways of thinking. Very interesting. Actually, at a HubSpot conference I was at a while back, founders got asked, what would you do differently if you were to find, kind of do this journey again? And one of the things they said was quite interesting is that for the first few years, the board of directors was all people like themselves. They all studied at MIT and, you know, they all came from similar social economic backgrounds. And if only they had taken in some women of color, some people with a disability, some people from different social economic backgrounds, it would have made the progression at HubSpot so much faster and so much more diverse and inclusive. So it's a really good advice that you've shared with our listeners today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we don't have a problem with that because the whole team are from underdeveloped countries and underrepresented communities. So we make a point to be different. (laughs) It's not even a question anymore. But yes, no, thank you, though. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. It's, it's been great. Really good examples you've given us there. I really love the concept of the testing. For all of our listeners, don't forget to share this episode, like this episode, go and check out, is there a community LinkedIn page, Twitter, Facebook there page, is. where can they find you? So there is, there is. And, for, and interestingly, you say about the website. So we tested the website. We realized it's not working after a year. It's not what we wanted. So we're changing it now. So visit our LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is definitely the right place for you at this moment of time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see all you listeners on our next show.